welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. Training camp is moving into the second week, I believe, over the weekend. And proper football, our soccer, the English Football League begins this weekend as well, building up to all that. But this one is all on the Seahawks. Enjoy myself, Stuart Court is, as ever, Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? I'm good. I'm delighted to see that all of the uh, Seahawks players have reported to training as per their contractual obligations, um, which is a class touch from all of them. Uh, you know, man goes to work. You know, what, what, how, what a difficult thing to ask of a human being. Um, but no, apart from that, all is absolutely great. So, yeah, brilliant. Cool. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I mean, not all. I mean, all have technically reported, but not all are fully engaged, shall we say. Well, we'll get into that, but there's, um, I think it's, that's as part of the new CBA is doing teams a lot of favours from an optics perspective, as I was just uh, texting with our mate, Michael Sean Dugar, who, um, yeah, had some interesting, well, interesting-ish comments about the level at which, uh, well, put it this way, we, we'll go straight into it, but when someone says, Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown probably won't miss any games. Um, that alerted me uh, a bit more than uh, than I expected when I think we were told by a lot of the uh, kind of hype Seattle press that, oh yeah, they're, they're just turning up to training camp. It's all going to be completely fine. Nothing to worry about. Well, we're 10 days in now and two of the top 10, if not top five most important players on the roster are not practicing, um, which is suboptimal, I would say. Yeah. Uh, um, say yeah, I mean, it is. But, like, I think when we saw that Jamal was there, um, when they when they got there eight days ago or so, that was, I think I texted you saying, that's just the Bobby Wagner holdout, which he did two years ago. He did that when he turned up, didn't practice and signed his deal on, like, day two or three, and then... But he had much more of a choice because with the new CBA your players get fined $50,000 a day if they don't show up to training camp. Whereas I don't think that was the case in in Wagner's case. So Maybe not. Dwayne Brown and Adams are sort of just there. Yeah, so they Dwayne, won't get fined. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Xavier Howard as well, which is... Just, yeah. yeah. I don't think um, there's a single player holding out in the NFL right now. No. Um, well, holding out at home anyway. Well, yeah, they're holding out in different ways, uh, as yeah. uh, Kurt Cousins showed earlier earlier on uh, this evening. But yeah, uh, uh, we'll get into Jamal and Dwayne and everything else, but what's your overall sense? Obviously, we're not there. We don't really... Well, I haven't watched any of the uh, streams they've put up, but on social media, we're talking to and interacting with people who are there and have a look. What's your feel, take, if you have one, on the first eight, nine days of... 2021 Seahawks. People are calling... Well, no, no, that's not actually a take. I might save that for me to do the bin, actually. Um, it Tempo seems to be the optimal word of the day. Uh, you can't you can't go anywhere without hearing someone talk about, you know, Shane Waldron and this and that and up-tempo and better tempo and quicker tempo. Um, I don't think people are sort of side-swiping at Schottenheimer on the way through but it does certainly appear like um, one of the key elements of what they're trying to instill with the new offense is uh, a more up-tempo approach, which is certainly something that Wilson's been preaching for quite a long time as something that he, he'd really like. So 
Um, a couple of interesting comments about Wilson, you know, still keeping the ball in his hands for too long. And I think that's drawn some ire. Uh, but that could be quite an interesting thing to keep an eye out on to see uh, if what Wilson wants is actually what benefits him and his mm. game more than more more than the previous. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing with Roger Waldron's is one of the only like press conferences I've watched, and he he has coach speak down pat already. Mm. Obviously, I know he's been a coach for a few years, but on that like on the on the ledge he's now on, on the pulpit he now has, he's he's got it down pat because he said a lot without giving it away, which is very Pete Carroll Russell Wilson Seahawky of him. But yeah, that's the main takeaway because he he talks well, but he talks well with with not really saying too much. Obviously, he's not the not the uh, unfurl the Da Vinci Code um, three weeks, four weeks before the season starts of his first gig. But yeah, it was quite interesting. I was just quite interesting how quick he's got that uh, squared away. Maybe that's why Pete Carroll was so keen to bring him in to the fold to replace Shot Lima seven, eight months ago. Um, actually, we've already mentioned it, so it's possibly the biggest. I mean, there's three things which really stood out from the things I've seen and things I've read. Jamal Adams is there. He's in Seattle, as we said. He's not practising. Uh, Cliff Clavin, um, a.k.a. Ian Rappaport, uh, saying that um, a deal is close. The money is X, Y, and Z. Again, someone who's brilliant at saying a lot without actually divulging any information, uh, something which is becoming a bit of a virus on our TV uh, channels. Um <laughs> But yeah, it's, Jamal is not a surprise, uh, but Dwayne Brown possibly shouldn't have been, but is, was, and yeah, it's, it's as you say, the optics are a bit, um, uh, they're a bit odd, aren't they, on everything? Yeah, I mean, that Trent Williams deal in San Francisco must have had some sort of knock-on effect to Dwayne Brown, what with it being a mid-30s left tackle getting a bumper extension. I think Williams got four years and I think the cap hit in his last year is like $30 million or something. Now, obviously that'll be, they'll move that around to to make it fit, but um, it doesn't surprise me that Dwayne Brown would think, um, excuse me, I think I'm getting $13 million this year. So let's sort that out. And it's tricky because it's such an important position and left tackles do not grow on trees by any stretch of the imagination. But what do you do with a 30 something year old? I mean, as someone who kind of feels like we're in last dance territory with Russell Wilson, maybe it's a case if you just do it just to get him training and get him practicing and, and get him back. But there's only so much money you can push down the road. Um, And with the Jamal Adams thing, well, they said they were close eight days ago um, and he's not practicing so he's not doing anything at the facility apart from talk about his contract. So how close can they be if it's not been done yet would be my, my suggestion. Yeah. I mean, it's that when he, when he, when he's pictured walking into the building a week or so ago, it was, this is the Bobby Wagner thing of a couple of years ago. As you say, it's, it's, it could be, um, I can't remember who played in his way, uh, in his place, but the Cam Chancellor thing, what, four, five years ago, when he skipped the first two games of the season? Yeah, and we played, two. Is it Dion Bailey we played in his way? Is that a name I've made up? 
yeah, he got killed by the Rams, and then we yeah. just got we got battered by Green Bay anyway. I think. Yeah, and then we go, and then we just went uh, Kapanen to Cam, and obviously, um, yeah, and then his career ended almost. Was it that same season when he got his career ended? Was it a year after? I think it was the year after. <laughs> yeah, but that, the Jamal thing is beginning to circle, uh, turn that corner into being the Cam thing because. It, like it, it doesn't really matter that if if he doesn't play in week one, two, if he doesn't play in preseason, which obviously now only three games, but it's I, I thought a deal would be done by now when um, Rappaport came out and said what he said, what he tweeted, more than what he said. Um, I was like, okay, here we go. The money kind of made sense, and there you didn't, you you said last time on the pod that you thought it'd be, it's going to begin with a two, but. I mean, there's a lot of dominoes to fall with Jamal because I think I think maybe Rappaport pointed out that um, that the team want to pay him, but they also want to keep Bobby as the top-paid guy, which seems to be something which would need some financial gymnastics to get around. Well, that, that's the thing that gets me. So he's going to be the highest-paid safety. So mm-hmm. that's above Justin Simmons' fifteen point five million. And I think the Hawks turned up to camp expecting that Bobby Wagner would remain the highest paid defensive player. Um, and I think that's something they probably want to stick with as best they can. So, you, And that's 18 million. So you've got a two and a half million dollar window, but nothing about Jamal Adams's personality or what he says has suggested he thinks he's anything but the best player defensively on the team and deserves to be paid like it. So I always felt it was a bit optimistic to expect that he was just going to say, Oh yeah, cool. 17 and a half million. Um, let's do it. Like he, he's, he, he's made all, all of the, the comments about being, you know, a defensive brackets weapon at this stage. I think an, an old promo of ours about Levy and Bell being a weapon, I think maybe uh, something that we could call into uh, call into good use uh, at this point, if he doesn't sign his contract for, for too much longer. Um, so yeah, I, I always thought it was a bit optimistic, but when Greg Bell and Rappaport were like, yeah, yeah, the deal's close, I thought, oh, cool, like maybe they've they've settled on it. But in my, I, I keep, I I feel like a bit like Al Pacino, uh, you know, just when I thought they was out, they pulled me back in because I was kind of out on the Adam stuff over the summer, and then they said, oh yeah, the deal's close, so I was like, cool, I'm in, and now it's just starting to piss me off again, and when I hear you know, some of his detractors on the radio talk about him being the 124th best safety in coverage by PFF uh, last year. Like I just, yeah, I'm, I'm losing kind of my, my excitement about this, this signing um, the longer it goes on. Um, you're probably the other way. Cause I know you're full, full team Jamal, which is totally fair. And I'm probably in the wrong, but yeah, like, I don't know. I don't feel that he's earned his swagger to the point that he, he's got yet. And he uh, he just rubs me out the wrong way a little bit with this stuff. Well, yeah, but it, it's, it's kind of like the Cam Newton thing because obviously Cam Newton was the best player in high school. Well, they went to Juco, won everything at Juco, went to Auburn, won everything at Auburn, went number one, won the MVP at Carolina. So he, he's, he was a highly, highly sought after High school prospect went to one of the big schools. Went was it sixth, fifth as a safety? I mean, I think obviously Eric Berry was the last one before him. Obviously, Thomas was in that ballpark as well back in 2010. But his his swagger and his confidence in his own value kind of makes sense because 
it's the only thing he's heard for 95, 90% of his, since he started, since he first stepped on the helmet. But yeah, it's, but it, this is something they knew when they made the deal, what, a year ago at this point, yeah. 13 months ago. So this is, this is, this is not something which they started talking about and started figuring out in May, June. This is something they figured out 15, 16 months ago when, he requested a trade from the New York Jets and Adam Gates and everything. So it's like, that's more the part which is concerning is that the team haven't got there because Jamal, really, one of the reasons he asked for a trade from the Jets is because he wanted more money, even though he's still on his rookie deal. So it kind of, like, yeah, they, they knew what they were getting into. They knew what they what was coming down the road. They just seem to be, I don't know, it just seems, it's just, it is very strange. The Dwayne Brown one is, it is a tough one because, I mean, I kind of was expecting to see uh, Seahawks left tackle Dwayne Brown as announced he's retiring at some point. Mm. You, you said that a couple of times, didn't you? Yeah, because he just dealt with a lot of injuries over the last couple of years. And yeah, he just, but he wants to stick around. He wants to be paid. I'm, I'm I think the Rams paid Whitworth quite handsomely as well in the last couple of years before he mm. retired over this offseason as well. So I think that's kind of all into the deal. And obviously, pre Dwayne Brown was Resoddy Hambo. We don't really want to go back um, to all of that. But yeah, like. He's not missed any games, has he? Perhaps. I think he's missed a start. He may have, like. I think he missed, like. He went out in like mid first and missed the rest of the game, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't think he's missed the start since he came over from um, the Texans. But yeah, it's like, I think they've got another week and then it's really like, okay, what the f- fuck yeah. are you doing? But both of them, really. I mean, Dwayne Brown, I mean, I haven't, I don't know who the left tackle is at the minute with the, with the ones. I mean, Jamarco, no? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I mean, obviously, he's a sixth-round pick who's kind of just flitted around every spot on the line. But yeah, we'll, I think in, give it another week. If we're here in a week's time and Dwayne Brown is still sitting out, maybe I've got a bit of an issue. Jamal Adams, then the team need to seek a resolution on that one. But it's, I, I, I don't know. I think the Dwayne Brown one with everything they want to do, and as you said, the talk of the town with tempo and everything. You need a good athletic left tackle to do that, and Dwayne Brown to whoever LT two is is I don't know. It's yeah, it's not ideal. I guess the only thing you can say is that from a positional standpoint, you know, Walter Jones I don't think took a snap in training camp in his career, so that there is the thought of you know. I think a guy I think Hugh Mellon said it on the radio for the left tackle. Who are you blocking on this play? The end. Who are you blocking on that play? The end. Who are you blocking on that play? The end. It's probably a little bit easier for someone like Dwayne Brown, who his job is probably not going to be too different under any scheme, apart from you know, the odd call and whatnot. Whereas Jamal Adams has serious issues in coverage, whether it's his play or in Seattle's defense last year, he had issues in coverage. And it worries me that he's not going to get the time with coach. Cause you know, once the season starts, from all we can tell when we've spoken to players or whatever, it's fairly formulaic what goes on in the week. And this feels like a fairly important four-week period where you can 
coach players up and improve players to what you want. And I don't know. I, I think if we have another year of Adams's coverage, like it was last year, especially if he's earning $90 million for the privilege, um, I feel like public opinion could turn quite significantly on that. Uh, yeah, perhaps, but this, uh, yeah, I, I think I think when it was bad at the end of the season, he was clearly obviously fingers and shoulder injuries and stuff, and, that, and also the defense kind of improved in front of him. So mm-hmm. if that continues on, with obviously Darrell Taylor's been one of the headline makers through the first week, um, Puna Ford's getting a bit of play as well today. So it's yeah, it's it. It's the conglomeration of everything, I guess. But yeah, it, it needs to be sorted. Um, yeah, I, th- I think another week, and then it's time to go. Okay, what the what 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 are we doing here? Um, elsewhere, another absence. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge, second round pick, um, went after Rondé Moore just before two two. At while Elijah Moore obviously went to the Jets just before. He sounds like. So they talked on the, t- the test match yesterday what the Indian fast bowlers were, what they were doing with their shoes, where they got the hole at the big toe point of the front of the shoe. And it kind of sounds like that's what they've come to do with Eskridge on the equipment side of it. But again, another early pick, and he hasn't seen the field since like day two of summer OTAs. Yeah, I mean, I think I said with Paul Gallant when we were on his show a couple of weeks ago that whilst I don't put any pressure on the man himself because he's just a kid who's, you know, been drafted to the NFL, the symbolism of that pick um, is so like, it feels like it's such like a a thumbs up to Waldron's philosophy. But, you know, if you take, let's say for the sake of argument, you have a hundred points in a normal draft, if you have picks one to seven, you have a hundred points to play with roughly. Let's say your first round draft pick is worth 40 of those a hundred. Well, Seattle this year had basically one real draft pick and that was Dwayne Eskridge. And I don't know, I feel like the pressure put on that pick that it just has to work. And it's just going to be so frustrating for everyone. If we have another player who. I don't know if he's misdiagnosed in the same way as Daryl Taylor appeared to be and Philip Dorsett appeared to be. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's a process thing that's gone wrong or it's just unlucky, but either way, it seems like an incredibly frustrating situation for everyone to be in, especially with third receiver now being a starting position, really, in the team. Yeah, yeah, in this offence it is. I, th- I think the SPG one sounds like more bad luck. I think he had a groin or a calf thing in ATAs, which obviously is just because he didn't do what he was doing for seven, eight months. And he was doing it obviously with much more intensity. This just sounds like it's, it's a bit unlucky and they're just trying to find a way around it because I mean, if they're changing these shoes, which is what it sounds like they're doing, the Pete Carroll talks about uh, the equipment guys working with him and figuring something out that suggests that there's something which he's going to be, getting sliced for in January, February, March next year, which is even more, more less ideal for someone who, as you say, needs the time, needs the minutes out in the middle, as we say, which is being mm. proved, proven in other sports as well in this <laughs> country. Um, but yeah, it's it's just, it's unlucky, but yeah, it, it, it just, it leaves a glaring um, 
sharpy circle around the wide receiver depth because obviously you've got Tyler Lockett, who just seems to be Tyler Lockett again. DK Metcalf's making a few nice plays and looking like DK Metcalf. But after that, it's there's a lot of question marks and it's, it, 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 it's asking a lot of Waldron in his first whatever and it's asking a lot for Pete Carroll to kind of change how he does things because it's what Freddie Sway and John Ursula and Penny Hart Penny Hart and um, the kid from Stamford the Woodington the local kid who's an undrafted guy as well so it's this Eskridge being healthy and just out there in his jersey and running around a bit just makes everything look a bit a bit better on the wide receiver because depth is somewhat of an issue without him, which is not not great when your second round pick isn't playing. It makes such an impact on the optics of it, but that's how it is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think, as someone said, you know, if we start hearing reports about free agent wide receivers coming in, <laughs> then we've got, you know, probably alarm bells. But I have to say, when you reel off the depth, um, yeah, I don't know if they've heard, but you know, occasionally players get injured uh, in the NFL, and I don't know if I wouldn't want Golden Tate or someone like that on the roster mm. anyway. Given you know, if we're in a position where we're looking at our rookie second round pick being injured, as that leaves a hole in the roster already, I wonder if they shouldn't be thinking, well, we need to fill that hole regardless, because you know, if you can get you know be hugely impressive if you get 51 games out of Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf and Dwayne Eskridge going into the season. If you don't, what contingency plan have you left yourself with? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot on the tight end group, I guess, after that, or maybe how they use the running backs, which is probably the third thing which I've it's caught my attention. I think uh, Paul Gallant on his uh, socials yesterday with his Training camp observations said it, it's quite clear the difference between Carson and Penny. You had uh, Rashad Penny quite clearly um, doing the the old search his own name on Twitter because he called out Matty Brown for his <laughs> sake over the weekend on him. But he like it, it. It didn't annoy me, but it it shouldn't be so glaring that Rashad Penny and there's a gap still between. Uh, Rashad Penny who apparently is doing everything right in off season got his weight down and has learned to be, be a pro or whatever else but the fact that there's still a glaring difference is not great again it's just a further hammer on the nail of that entire process around that first round draft pick um, especially as getting 17 games out of Chris Carson is even less likely than, you know, probably getting 51 games out of the three wide receivers, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and even if he plays, I think we've seen in the past that load management with Carson is something that they do focus on because they want the guy ready for the playoffs. But um, it's interesting because you hear a lot about how stacked the running back group is. Um, and it kind of comes back to everything I've said in the offseason about, you know, bodies meaning there aren't holes. Like there aren't holes in the running back room, but there are, is a massive hole if Chris Carson goes down. Mm. And I, it, it's another one of those positions where, yes, there are plenty of bodies and there's plenty of people in the room. But if you lose one guy, what happens? Like what happens to it? Yeah. Um, so that it's going to be interesting. Um, but it, but that also, that's also on Waldron, because obviously we've seen in San Francisco for pretty much since the minute Shanahan got to town, he's 
there's been a churn of running backs. I mean, Jeff Wilson, you've had most of them come out of nowhere. They paid Tevin Coleman. He didn't really do anything. They had Carlos Hyde for a year, I think, with Shanahan. They had... Who else they got? Obviously, they've got, got Trace Turner down there. Most, like, but they've managed to lose a running back. Obviously, Wilson most of miss a month at least every season but they still get yards from their running back because of more than likely the guy calling the place if if Carson does go down or Carson is being load managed the the, the drop off from him to Penny or DJ Dallas or Alex Collins or Travis Homer I think he's back practicing now mm. as well but it's big, but it's how they kind of bridge that gap kind of thing. It's just it. I don't know. I mean, when when I when I, I watched or yeah watched Paul's clip, and then I think I read it. Just it just it's it it should not be the case of someone who is apparently doing everything right. But again, as I said, he's searching out people's somewhat valid opinions on the internet. Adam, it just it kind of annoyed me a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think the fans have been really tolerant of Rashad Penny, to be honest. Yeah. I think people have been, you know, he had two a two-game stretch two years ago, uh, plus a decent run in Pittsburgh. And I, I feel like the fans have given him an awful lot of leeway for those kind of, you know, eight or nine plays that we've seen over four years. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't blame a guy for searching his name out on socials and, and you know, you know, good luck. Yeah, to it's the modern way. It's, yeah, that's, that's what happens. But, you know, cool. Now back it up. And, you know, tell if, if you think Matty's an idiot, then show him on the field. Yeah. Um, until you do that, I'm, I'm going to side with Matty on this one, I have to say. Yeah. Um, like, we, we need to see what you're going to do first before you start, you know, being Billy Big Bollocks when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I think Eskridge, Jamal, um, Rashad Penny have been the main three things of contention really because it's just I mean the offense like, I think I think we said to Joe Fan maybe over the off season that oh I think I said that like Pete Carroll this off season has gone look here you go Russell you've got everything Sh- shut up and get yeah. on with it I'll sort of defense but he's got two legit wide receivers and one legit running back and no <laughs> left tackle uh, 10 days into training camp. So yeah, it's, yeah, they were the three things that caught my attention defensively. Adam, um, two things. Trey Flowers seems to be a name which has come up a lot. Him and Keller Witherspoon seem to be making plays, if not getting interception. I think Trey Flowers has had two pass breakups, which has resulted in the old um, tip drill we saw from, uh, Messrs. Thomas and Chancellor back in the day, but he's he's been a forgotten name through the off season. Obviously, Akello and then Trey Brown came in, and EJ Reed came back after um, a, a, an impressive in context of how he joined the team in 2020. But he's he's the biggest, he's the tallest, he's the longest serving DB. Uh, cornerback in Seattle but he's it's he's as we've said before he's the biggest confidence player on that defence and if he's playing with confidence 10 days in you just got to hope it it sticks and carries him through 20, 20 odd weeks and helps answer and paper over what we thought could be a pretty substantial crack in the defence in the corner yeah they seem to have been rotating cornerbacks 
quite a lot, haven't they? Yeah. And I don't know if that means that they're not sure of what they've got or if it means they are sure and they just want to, you know, just plug and play and, and see what happens. So I think once you get through the first preseason game, uh, it's annoying. There's no, there's no cuts before it goes straight from 90 to 53, doesn't it? Um, it did last year, but I don't know if it's because that was COVID thing, I think. Okay. Just without um, bringing in new players, I think. I don't know if it, it probably is, but I'm not sure. Because I, f- I find it quite difficult to get a steer on sort of wh- who's got what standing. I mean, it's weird. Normally, I don't know whether I'm, I'm just not been reading enough or, or listening to enough people, but I feel like there's normally a lot more like hype about certain players in training camp than we're getting this year. Normally, like... yeah. He flashed, and oh my goodness, he 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 caught two great catches. Whereas, apart from hearing that a little bit about Lockett and obviously Metcalf, and I think like maybe Colby Parkinson, someone said he's had a catch, but I've not I've heard nothing about like Everett or Disley. And then defensively, I don't think I've heard Quandre Diggs' name. Um, I hoped I'd hear more about Daryl Taylor. Um, I don't know. I, I, maybe they just you know they've only been in pads for a couple of days, and so they've not been reading into it too much. And I know that obviously training camp and preseason, a lot of it is, you know, it's, it's, it's a full, false economy, but I don't know. It just feels like there's not been media standouts so far. Yeah. Well, it, it's almost like they've become aware, aware of the context and what they're reporting it of. Cause obviously every year it's like we said to Paul, like it's Paul Richardson for three or four years. He was, um, the Brian Edwards of Seahawks training camp. Uh, well, remember that, remember that, that case in Williams off season yeah, as well. Like exactly. every day you were hearing something. Yeah, but apart from, I mean, I th- I've heard a little bit about Daryl Taylor. Um, I think Mike tweeted something about when you watch, you just realise how good Quandre Diggs is, which is something which doesn't seem to be talked about much. He's just kind of arrived from Detroit and has been there for what. 40 games now, 35, 40 games for Tips and just kind of done his job. And uh, yeah, it's just, but yeah, it, it just seems maybe, I don't know, maybe they're just, maybe nothing's happening. I mean, they, there was, there was quite a lot of fumbles, I think on when yesterday, Tuesday, which kind of got um, Pete Carroll a bit rattled, I think as well. But yeah, there just doesn't seem to be, I agree. There doesn't seem to be much coming out, which it's hard to get a read on what, what, as you say, what that means kind of thing, because they are, I think they're rotating the DBs who face Tyler and DK more than anyone else, because obviously they're the, and they said NFL wide receivers, which perhaps is true, but, but yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I, I just quite like seeing Trey Files' name pick up because I think like I was, yeah, I just think he's been quite good. And I just, when he's been good, he's been quite good. But obviously when that, that, is a razor's edge which he kind of flirts with more often than that when he when he plays so if he stays on the positive side of that of that razor blade that, that continue the um, analogy I think so um, yeah then it would be beneficial to Seahawks but him and Akello being the two biggest the ones which seem to be getting the most oh yeah oh, and Akello did something or and Trey Flowers did something of all that cornerback room has been quite interesting because another pick we I haven't really seen much on Trey Brown or DJ Reed no which is I mean Trey Brown being a, a, a rookie and when the, the guy picked before him is uh, having his shoe changed um, yeah 
it's uh, yeah, it's it's quite concerning. Obviously, Stone Forsyth is a what, sixth round pick, but again, another rookie we're not really hearing much from or about. But I guess I'd imagine he's with the twos or threes at this point. I'm not too mm. sure. But again, we don't really hear that part. Um, also on the DB, Asari, Ashari, Cresswell, and drafted free agent safety had two interceptions: one of Russell Wilson, one of Geno Smith. Um. It's, that's probably the one undrafted guy who's caught any attention through the first week, I think. I don't see anything of Widrington. Obviously, my guy, the Frenchman, isn't practicing yet. Um, Widrington, I haven't seen anything of. So it's, again, that, this rookie class is it's a slow burner. You have to hope at this point. Yeah, I mean, wasn't Cade Johnson quite highly sought after? Yeah. Wide receiver, haven't, haven't haven't even heard his name. Um, mm. Obviously, Colby Parkinson is a second-year player, but I think he's probably the one that I think his people have been taking most notice of. And you know, obviously, he's got the size and the hair, so from a visual perspective, there's something mm-hmm. there. But it, it, I think I, w- I was talking to uh, Parker Lewis, who's a brilliant follow, one of the best kind of tape guys on Seahawks Twitter, and we were saying that they probably need to find a, try and find a way to get this guy some snaps next year. And I, I would imagine third receiver in the red zone is going to be where where he is. And look, obviously we've, we've had a bit of a negative chat, but if you are in the red zone, you've got DK Metcalf, Gerald Everett, Colby Parkinson, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, and Russell Wilson as a threat to run the ball in. You know, it's kind of how do you stop that? Yeah. yeah. That, 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 that's a pretty decent... Yeah, not are, not many are. teams are going to have more, a, a better, you know, attacking six than that. We are we are probably being slightly too downbeat, but it's what's been the case for 157, eight episodes now. And <laughs> you, you've had a you had an interesting sports week, and we watched our national cricket team be bowled out within like two hours yesterday. So context is important as, as always, isn't it, Adam? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there hasn't even been any, like Michael Dixon hype. No. I mean, Norm, normally it's like Dixon stuck six in coffin corner or whatever it's called inside. We, you know, do we pay him this off season? Yes. Can I imagine that? I'm almost certain. I will. Yeah. Uh, um, if you, if and, you play uh, some elevator music, I'll check that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, elsewhere on the defense, defensive line, Darrell Taylor's been getting a bit of probably the most play. Puna Ford, uh, Mike Dugar wrote some other issues. If anyone hasn't read it yet, go and read it as ever with uh, Mr. 2021. Um, and then it's just, it's just, well, the main thing on D-line is, because people, some people listen, don't, aren't on social media, aren't on Twitter, but uh, Matty Brown's just dissection of what the D-line are being asked to do. I mean, it's it's as as, ever, as with everything with Matty, it's quite uh, it's borderline insanity, but it's quite interesting. I think Kerry Hyder kind of supported what he he said and how they're going to attack teams with that depth, which isn't at obviously the Cliff Cliff Mike Clinton Clemens level of 2013, but it feels like this is a group that has the best chance to replicate it if again everyone stays active, healthy, and on the field, though. Yeah, well, PFF had the defensive line ranked 29th in the NFL, which right. doesn't seem right to me. That, that mm. you know, even as pessimistic as I'd like to be. Um, now, I don't know if that is just the defensive line and doesn't incorporate, you know, the linebacker help and the Jamal Adams help you get on a, from a pass rush perspective. But I think you're right. From a depth perspective, for the first time in a long time, 
I feel like we've got six or seven names of human beings that you could talk about that wouldn't be liabilities if they had to, you know, start a game or, or play 30, 40 snaps. And I guess the idea would be to rotate all of them, you know, to play 20 or 30 every game. I, I guess the lack of an anchor in Jaron Reed is a slight concern, but presumably Carlos Dunlap is, is going to be, you know, with Puna Ford are going to be your two, your two sort of defensive line captains on there. And I would imagine that from a, uh, yeah, I would imagine those two guys will be one and two for snaps this season. Puna, definitely. I think without Jaron Reed, obviously Al Woods is next to him. And then Brian Monet, I think he's still yeah. around. Yeah, I think Puna definitely. Carlos Dunlap again is someone... I mean, if I didn't follow him on social media, I wouldn't have heard anything of him. But obviously, because he keeps posting, he posts his weight every day, which is quite strange. But um, He's also gone to a ridiculous number in number eight, which is oh, yeah. just absolutely yeah, but, absurd. Quandre Diggs is Quandre six number now. six, yeah. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, the D-line is one, I think that could be the one which is how like the dice fall on the ground kind of thing and how it all rolls out and see what, see what we're left with but it, it, there's, there's re- I think on name recognition they're probably 29 because mm. apart from Carlos Dunlap it's Puna Ford who's still the league doesn't seem to realise the Seahawks have um, and then it's Kerry Hyder who only really did it for a season and a half in San Francisco RJ Collier is um plummeting towards be the first round bust um, <laughs> no matter how unfair that tag may be but yeah it's on their record should probably be 29th but yeah I, I, there's reasons to be optimistic um, on that side of the ball um, I think that's it on um, everything with the things I've picked up on the people who have kind of uh, been cause for conversation on this part we, we, we do realise how downbeat we are but I mean there's we haven't played a game and I don't even think we're downbeat. I just like there's just been seemingly much less excitement around camp. Yeah. Than that. Like I haven't seen any like amazing plays on Twitter, which you normally is like, oh my God, yeah. did you see that catch? It's just I don't know, everything just feels to be maybe it's just like is business right now. And maybe yeah, we should be looking, you know, we should be pleased about that. Like, they're strictly business, it's all about winning, and yeah, they're not gonna get excited about anything. So maybe that's the case, but I don't know, I, you know. People that are listening can can tweet us and let us know. Uh, you know, what are you guys thinking about about camp so far? Because for me, it all seems very understated uh, yeah. at the moment. Yeah, um, t- understated is not a word you can say about um, other training camps, especially the one going on in the blue half of MetLife Stadium. Um, there are, I mean, me and Ben, who's been on the pod a few times, um, have had. Numerous discussions about this. There are a few people in sport who I just cannot abide as 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 little or much as I cannot abide Joe Judge. He seems like an absolute bell end. He, I don't know who it was. Someone on Twitter or somewhere over the weekend was saying that the Bill Belichick tree is fascinating because they all try and be Bill Belichick mm-hmm. and he's doing exactly the same thing McDaniels did it in his stint in Denver obviously Patricia did it in Detroit Flores is, I think it sounds like with what 
Quint, uh, Xavier and Howard said Flores is doing it down in Miami, but he's getting more results. He just sounds, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's had three players they signed the weekend. Two of them have retired. Yeah, there was a scrap which ended up with their quarterback, the starting quarterback on the bottom of a pile. He made them do laps and sprints and all sorts until, well, if you're Jay until you decided to call it a career. But he just, his whole, I just can't stand him. Um, yeah, I mean, they have some fun players, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, uh, Jabril Peppers is quite fun. McKinney's quite fun. Obviously, they beat us last year, so they're clearly doing something somewhat right, although that was a bit of a train wreck of a Seahawks performance. I just I can't stand the guy. And it's just this week has just kind of cemented that he's just tiresome. And he, he's, he's 2021 Matt, Matt Patricia, and it, if, if it goes wrong in New York for the Giants this year, it really feels like that he might, be able to throw the quarterback on his sword before he does. Well, we do know that NFL players keep receipts um, and Darius Slay (laughs) was desperate to play against Matt Patricia's Lions and uh, it wouldn't stun me if in a year's time when this Joe Judge thing goes completely tits up um, and they end up wasting a pretty good roster this year actually because mm. they won't play for the man um, that you hear quite a few interesting stories I think Robert Sala um, came out today and said Look, I don't treat players like that you know I'm going to treat players as like adults and um, I think that was more than pointed uh, towards yeah. uh, New Jersey's blue side yeah it's uh, was it uh, accountability is something which is self-taught or something he said mm-hmm. which is yeah which is true and also I think as someone it might be Matty again. He's got a lot of play on this pod. Um, pointed out that is very Pete Carroll. And obviously, Salah did spend a, um, a cup of coffee amount of time in Seattle. What 2012, 2011, 2013 mm-hmm. as his assist- assistant. So yeah, it, it it's it's quite refreshing to see after all Joe Judge nonsense. Um, elsewhere, rookie quarterbacks Adam Justin Fields is going to be the starter eventually. Trey Lance is. Uh, I think the Brock Osweiler clip gif is going to be what Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in the not too distant future. But again, talking of quiet, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, maybe Trevor Lawrence is quiet because he's like Ron Seal kind of thing at this point, doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. But Fields and Lance are popping, and Trev and Lance are, uh, Trev and Zach are subdued and quiet. Has Zach Wilson signed his deal yet? Yeah. Okay. Because I know that was going on uh, for a little while. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it actually, the Urban Meyer show that I thought would be a bit more of a, a nonsense fest has uh, not been, I feel like they've been quite quiet, which is a surprise because it's mm. pretty box office people there. Um, you don't feel like you're hearing that much. Maybe they're just getting down to business. Um, the Jets. Yeah, I, th- I saw a couple of things about Zach Wilson not having a great time of it, but I don't think that's an enormous surprise. I think Joe Burrow had a pretty rocky start, didn't he? But I, I would imagine that's one of those things that when you go through, through such a harrowing injury, um, that doesn't overly surprise me. Um, I don't know. It, it, everything just feels very quiet now. Um, it does. On, on certain other things with, to do with quarterbacks, which we'll get onto in a little bit, I think. But, um, yeah, just it, it's... Uh, 
the rookie quarterbacks, apart from Trevor Lawrence, are popping in the order that they should have been selected in. It should have gone Lawrence, Fields, Lance, um, a couple of hours, and then Zach Wilson, because that <laughs> is how it should have gone. It's how it's probably going to go. I mean, you got to hope that, I mean, the Jets fans, I don't know many, but I don't know a bad egg amongst them. So you can't hope that this one works, but. But yeah, it's 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 quite interesting how, especially Trey Lance, because he just looks ready, amazing. Yeah, which is obviously really fun for the team in the NFC West, like we are. Um, also, obviously, to, as we a few hours after we record, uh, the first, the twenty twenty draft class is finally getting in the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame game, the Steelers and the Cowboys, is on at some point during the night as well. Obviously, not staying up for that one. Um, but Steve Hutchison is going in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, he's, 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 it's just quite weird to think that the Seahawks had a Hall of Fame left tackle and a Hall of Fame left guard on the same team for <laughs> half a decade. And now we have question marks pretty much every July, August, September, Adam. Yeah. Um, we're probably not like... LTU or LGU as like uh, <laughs> yeah these universities want to be when they yeah, they have these like yeah basically like uh, procession uh, conveyor belts of uh, of great guards and tackles and um, I don't know which sport I was reading about but it, it did make you know, me think quite a lot about how I think it was a, friend, uh, yeah, a football journalist soccer journalist was saying that you just don't realise what you've got at times with certain things until it's gone. And uh, boy, oh boy, what Russell Wilson, I'm sure, would, would do for a uh, first ballot Hall of Fame left tackle and uh, a left guard Hall of Famer as well. I think he'd be, uh, yeah, he'd absolutely rip your arm off for that. Yeah, it's, it's just quite mad how quickly that all kind of disintegrated. I mean, Walt retired in 2009. Hutch retired, obviously, five, six years ago as well. But, yeah, it's, it's just weird how... Again, that and how sheer that cliff is, I guess, isn't it? I mean, obviously, Walter Jones is B two E D I as he as he as emblazoned on his chest on every social media post. But but yeah, um, yeah, just it's quite cool to see another Seahawk adjacent. I'm not sure if he's going in as Seahawk. I, I think he is. Also, I don't think you go in as a team man in the in the. I think baseball, you go in as a team. Okay. I don't also, think you do in the NFL. He was involved with the draft this year. He's a consultant for the Seahawks, isn't he? Still, he mm-hmm. was during the drafts. So but yeah, so a Seahawks employee. Quick job the, this year. Hall of Fame. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was the, he was the one pacing the floor, uh, pacing the room uh, for Stone as well. Um, Spin in the bin, Adam. Let's do it. Uh, I've got an apology because earlier this off-season on this podcast, I uh, celebrated, vaunted, uh, enjoyed, um, congratulated the workings of someone who has jumped the shark quite extravagantly in the corresponding weeks and months and social media posts and tweets and just... Uh, Adam Schefter is tiresome <laughs> remarkably quickly. His his podcast uh, last week where he described Deshaun Watson pretty severe, pretty serious and pretty um, tasteless for lack of conversation around it. Since pretty much the draft, it's gone just completely silent. 
and he said it was his, was it, I think he called it a distraction <laughs> or the rubbish he's got to deal with off field. It's not rubbish. It's like legitimate, like knobhead behaviour that he's for some reason not being. Obviously, the Texans. I don't think the Texans have put him up for questioning on press conferences, which is probably the smart thing to do, maybe. But it's it's he's become tiring. It's yeah. he he believes the buzz. He's. I mean, maybe it's because the ESPN just keeps getting rid of everyone there, putting him out there more because they've got no one else left because they just keep firing everyone. Um, but yeah, he's it's it's quite remarkable how he's how I enjoyed what he did with the Rogers thing in April, and now just I mean he's tweeting about Messi earlier today, and it's just like, like you don't have to get involved with everything. Agree. I mean, just to piggyback on that, I'm going to put anyone in the bin who's involved in Deshaun Watson still being at training camp with all the stuff that's going on. I mean of all the players that have been put on the commissioner's exemplist for, I would say probably a lot less than this, like get the guy out of there. Let's get this dealt with respectfully because right now seeing him line up as like a safety or third string running back is just a piss take to be honest. And I think it flies in the face of all those with very serious uh, allegations against him. And I don't know, I don't think it's been particularly respectful to the victims of, well, alleged, when I say alleged victims, you know what I mean? Um, of, of what what he he's uh, supposedly done. So, um, yeah, whoever's playing a part in that, whether that's the Texans, the commissioner, like fucking sort yourself out because it's a mess. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's kind of like that news was put out with kind of like a, a wink and a nudge, just like oh look, this is humorous and stuff. But yeah, as you say, it's just it's embarrassing, especially it's just yeah, it's embarrassing. But then you, you kind of see all the chat about oh he's the Eagles are. Uh, on the phone with a trade, I don't give a fuck. I don't get, don't care. Like he, sh- he should. Josh Gordon is playing pickup football in his backyard somewhere in this great Seattle area because he has a, has a problem with a drug which is legal in the majority of U.S. states. <laughs> but he can't play. He can't go to work and. Um, uh, a life-changing, generational change, generation-defining uh, amount of money because because of that. But Deshaun Watson can have this heavy set of um, allegations thrown at him and just be like somewhat of a sideshow. In and no one seems to. I mean, the, the people you expect to call it out are calling it out. Mm-hmm. The, the, the same like national figures are calling it out. But then you have people like Adam Schefter, who is a national figure, a pretty pretty prominent one obviously with ESPN and how he's like the the source for news and breaking news using the words he did on his podcast to describe the distraction that Deshaun Watson was dealing with this is just it's just an absolute nonsense uh you're Ben Adam got a couple this week um Jason Garrett today <laughs> following in <laughs> Dion Sanders uh footsteps now I think the journalist Deion Sanders was slightly more disrespectful. And also, however, also Deion Sanders is a head coach. Yes. However, you do not earn the qualification to be named as coach. You don't pass an exam. You're just made a coach in the same way as in my profession, 
you don't pass an exam which gives you the right to be called chef. And if you are a human being that requires other human beings call you chef, you are a wanker. And in the same way as if you're having a meeting with journalists and you demand that journalists call you coach, when you are also an assistant coach, which is what they should call him, assistant coach Garrett, you're just being a complete prick and you need to get so firmly in the bin and get over yourself and have a bit of a reality check about what we're actually doing here because it's sport and calling you by your name is completely fine, not calling you by some self-declared moniker uh, of, you know, coach. I mean, do me a favour. He's, he's also an assistant coach, apparently, who was left out completely of pre-draft stuff in the New York Giants building. It was Judge uh, Gettleman and the defensive coordinator, Graham, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. They did the scouting and they did like the final ch- checks and then Joe Judge and Gettleman returned to Garrett. Oh, by the way, yeah, we're signing Galladay. Oh, by the way, we're drafting uh, Kadarius Tony for you. You, you. you have no say. You're going to have to deal with him. So, yeah, he's... Yeah, it was it's it's it was unsurprising. I think someone who manages to su- survive around Jerry Jones as long as he did kind of clearly has uh, deficiencies, mm-hmm. and this is clearly his. Yeah, it was it's hilarious because yeah, the Deion Sanders one is very is Deion Sanders. Like, yeah. of course he has that, but he is also the head coach. So there is kind of like there is kind of more. And in fairness, the guy, once Dion asked him to call him coach, should have just done it. Yeah. But I just think this weird expectation that people are going to call you coach, like, so, so I'm very sorry, doctor. No, like this person, you, you work 10 years to become a doctor and you go to all schools <laughs> and exams, whereas Dion Sanders has just been like made the head coach of university yeah. just for a bit of publicity. So yeah, I think we can probably run ourselves in with that. Um, yeah. My second one is, yeah, Cole Beasley's been in too many bins uh, already, but I think Kirk Cousins uh, is qualifying today. I'm, I'm, we, we've got a good show lined up next week, and I'm sure we can do some more uh, vaccine funny stuff there. But Kirk Cousins is a man um, who claims that he's been doing extensive research about the vaccine and why he's not taking it, or what private decision he claims, but of course he's not taking it. Uh, and then has the temerity um, to declare that he hasn't actually spoken to the lead doctor of the NFL. Um, in all this, despite the fact that he claims he's been garnering as much information as he possibly can. Um, so, yeah, I think a bit like Matt Letizia, um may, maybe listen to actual doctors as opposed to people that, um, you know, delve the depths of Facebook and Reddit for, for your information on this stuff and uh, get yourself the vaccination because, uh, it, you know, it's fine. And uh, yeah. my 5G has been absolutely belting since I had mine done. So honestly, don't worry about it at all. You, yeah. You'll be great. Yeah, also, although the first podcast we did post mine was, was with Doug Baldwin and my internet cut out. So maybe... That is maybe, true. Maybe, maybe, I think maybe it was the second one I had to get. But also on the Vikings, in the opposite way of Joe Judge, Mike Zimmer has flown up my estimations because that yes. was an incredible press conference. I mean, he talked about the source of information his players are going to. He just He's tired of it. Like Ron Rivera was tired of it because obviously he's had his health issues over the last 18 months, which made him make him... Uh, is uh, immune system more susceptible and compromised with all this, with picking up viruses, any virus really, but his players have listened because they've gone from, was it 58% to 
88% in a week vaccinated at the, at the Washington football team. But, I mean, Mike Zimmer is skirting on being the hot seat this year if things mm-hmm. don't go right. And he's now walking into a season possibly aware of that. And with his quarterback, who's getting 70 million guaranteed over the last few years for below average quarterback play, is now putting because is putting the rest of the team, putting his job, putting his assistant, putting Gary Kubek's son's job, um, yeah, in danger. But yeah, like Mike Zimmer's. But also, if anyone out there hasn't, uh, go and find um, Kirk Cousins' his dad's YouTube stuff because he's a pastor somewhere. In Michigan, I think, Kirk Cousins, and he, yeah, apple tree falling um, makes it makes a lot of sense because it's just... Kirk, oh. Kirk Cousins said that he'd sit in the quarterback room today and he might build plexiglass walls to surround him to protect him from other people who, you know, to, you know so he can stay unvaccinated. Just get the fucking vaccination, mate. It's fine. Just do that. That'll make your life a lot easier for everyone. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just Jason Garrett and Kirk Cousins. The reasons for being being are, are possibly somewhat unsurprising. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, anything else? Any other things have happened in the NFL world? I don't think there was really. I think we, we've said it all. Done else. an hour. Done uh, an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have eventually. Absolutely. We've got people who are watching it live. Apologies for the uh, time tardiness. As always with the pet pod, but, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is insane that we haven't even got an American guest on and it's 20 to fucking one in the morning. Yep. Don't mind. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Football's back this week, as I said at the start of the podcast. That's all I can really think about for the next 72 hours. If you're watching Sky Sports at half four on Sunday afternoon, which is just the dumbest kickoff time known to man, um, enjoy the football in. The, the football and exploits of the team wearing sky blue on that afternoon. If you want to get involved with the podcast, you can. If you want to send questions or ideas or people you want on the podcast during the season, we've got a few names floating about for game previews during the season, obviously week one, week two, and whenever we play another AFC team, we've got some names floating about which we need to try and chase upon. And all the people on the Patreon, massive thanks again for supporting this uh, podcast and how you do as we said we're going to try and get more regular we are going to be back next week with um, a couple of guests we heard from earlier or at least one guest we heard from earlier in the off season um, yeah pedestrianpodcast.podbean.com patreon.com forward slash the pedestrian podcast to go and pledge and support our exploits but until next time from whatever part of the world, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast. Go Hawks.